Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats weekly podcast episode number 73. I am your host, Dan Matson, a.k.a. Wooden Boat Dan. If he can't do it, nobody can. In fact, don't even try to do what I do, folks, because you'll never be successful. <laughs> and this is the world's first podcast, fully 110% dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, tradition, and romance of wooden vessels of all sizes and shapes and colors and ages and species of woods and finishes and designs and power methods and all that stuff. Welcome to the podcast today, folks. It's great to have you. If this is your first time, you're in for a real treat. Today's featured segment is an interview with Jim Mateer. I interviewed Jim a few weeks ago at his shop in Paul's Bowl, Washington, And had a great time. Uh, Jim's done a lot of boat building and restoration, including a lot of work on a classic six-meter boat, racing sailboat, and also built his own cutter, 43-foot length overall cutter, finishing that in 1991. Still has that boat, Lumiere. So stick around for that interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, everything we do on this show is fun. I mean, this is all about having fun with wooden boats. So if that's what you're looking for, you came to the right place today. No update on the canoe that I'm building this week. I just flat did not work on it. Part of that reason is uh, we have our house in contract to sell. We're supposedly moving out by around the first part of March, no later than March 18th possibly as soon as the 1st of March, so we're looking for another place. We're actually going to rent for a while because longer term we don't know where we want to live. Now that we're empty nesters, all the kids are gone, my wife and I just want to try something different for a while, so that's what we're up to. So we've been scrambling around looking for a uh, rental home. We thought we'd found our dream home last weekend. (laughs) found a place right on the water on Puget Sound, a place called Warm Beach. House built in 1923. We got really excited about it. I mean, the living room was like 30 feet from the water. I could see my boat uh, anchored in front of my house, waking up to gray whales, seagulls, Puget Sound salt water. Uh, But then some things about the house started to reveal themselves to us, that there were some real issues with this house after we had submitted our application. So we bailed on that, and we're still out there looking. So don't plan on coming to our house for barbecue on Puget Sound, okay? It probably ain't going to happen. Okay, this week's wooden boat hack number 16 of the week. I actually learned this from Jim Mateer, who I interviewed today. And the hack is this, that every day you should visit your boat building or refurbishing project. 
So that must sound kind of strange, but what, what I mean by that is if you're building a boat or working on a boat, if you physically go to the boat every day, you'll be, even if you don't feel like it, you'll be inspired to, at a minimum, at least think about what your next step on the project is. Maybe you'll get things a little bit organized, and maybe you'll dive in and actually do a little bit of work. 30 minutes worth of work every day adds up to a lot of time over a long period of time, and it can make a big difference. So instead of avoiding even looking at your project when you come home after work, you're tired, it's dark and wet out, walk out to your garage, go down to your barn, go to your shop, wherever it is, and look at your project, and you'll probably get inspired to do something which is a lot better than nothing. And of course, the best way to get something done is to start. So that is the tip of the week, is to go to your project on a daily basis. You'll get it done much faster and you'll be inspired to work on it pretty much on a daily basis. Thanks for that tip, Jim. Really appreciate it. Last week I mentioned this and I'd like to mention again that if you have a small classic boat to sell... Contact Marty at the Island Boat Shop, and the email is marty at islandboatshop.com. Marty heads up the pocket yachters of Port Townsend, and they have a classified boat section that's totally free. And they pride themselves in matching up sellers and buyers for classic boats. And it's a totally free service, like I mentioned before. If you want to check out their site, go to pocketyachters.com. And click on the tab at the top that says Boats for Sale. And you can get more information, see what they've got. And contact Marty if you have an interest in that. Again, it's Marty, M-A-R-T-Y, at islandboatshop.com. Thanks, Marty, for uh, offering that free service. That's awesome. Something new on my website in the last few weeks is an index that I put together so it's easy to navigate around the website. So I would encourage you to check that out. If you go to hookedonwoodenboats.com, now that I've published 73, this is the 73rd episode today, uh, I created an index. So if you go to the menu at the top of my page and you click on index, there's a table in there that gives you a list of each episode, starting with number one, tells you who's in the episode and a brief description of what it's about. So with this table, you can quickly scroll through, pick the episodes that you want to listen to. If you click on the number of the episode to the left, it's a hyperlink, so it takes you right to that page. And then, of course, you can listen from your computer or your smartphone, or you can download the MP3 file and listen to it later. So I would encourage you to check that out. Much easier to navigate around the site now with that in place. We're going to move on now to the interview with Jim Mateer of Paul's Bull, Washington. Had a great time with Jim, so let's get her rolling here. Take it away, Jim. Okay, it is January 18th, 2013. I am with Jim Mateer on, uh, we're not not on Bainbridge Island, we're in Paul's Bull, Washington. Yes. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So Jim and I just met today for the first time, and uh, I had gotten Jim's name from Wendy Hinman, and she says, you got to go see some of the stuff Jim is working on and talk to him about wooden boats. So uh, we're in Jim's shop here, and there's some really fun boats here. 
Before we get into that, though, Jim, uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, well, I grew up pretty much all around the uh, West Coast. Wherever a hydroelectric dam was being built, my father was probably involved in it. So we traveled in a trailer. We lived in a trailer and and uh, until we arrived in Seattle in about 65 oh. and uh, went to school uh, South Seattle. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do boating, some boating as a kid? Um, just a little bit. My dad had a you know, power boat and we played in a little bit. Um, I'm not really, uh, I never have and I still don't really like the water, so... I don't. I <laughs> really? love being on the water and playing, but I don't get in it. Oh, you don't like yeah. to get in. You yeah. like to be on it, yeah. but not in it. Yeah, yeah. But, but just a little bit of uh, you know uh, ski boat stuff. Um, again, inside the ski boat um, mm-hmm. during my high school years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to school in uh, South Seattle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tai High. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, that's kind of down by the airport. Yeah. That area. Right there. Right. Yeah. So so what did you do after high school, Jim? After high school, I went directly to into, uh, um, I guess, kind of a, a little bit of a beginning into woodworking and, uh, at a furniture company, local furniture company, and then uh, uh, shortly took over their finishing department and started uh, doing surface coatings. So what kind of furniture were they building? Uh, they were building office furniture. Really? Yeah. Okay. In yeah. Seattle? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. So how'd you, how'd you get interested in that? Um, I didn't really get interested in it. I just went looking for a job. I okay. walked through the door. They were building incredible furniture. And uh, I kind of pretty much lied to get in and get the job. And it took him about a day to figure out that uh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Really? And, uh, but they liked, they liked the fact that I wanted to work. So they put me to work. and They and, kept you on. Uh, yeah. So I stayed about three years. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you eventually ended up in the coding division, so learning about finishes and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so what did you learn at that point about finishes? Oh, um, boy, that's hard to say. You know, I mean, I learned. Were you guys using clear stain and clear finishes, or? Oh my gosh, we were using a lot of advanced coatings, even curtain coating. You know, where we were dragging furniture through curtains with uh, that are bleeding a coating onto it, but. You know, handwork too. You know, um, uh, pastewood filling, the whole works. It was very high end furniture, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, really, um, it's hard to even remember what we what we did. You know, and we still use some of those techniques and some of the things we do today. But yeah, but uh, um, I'm mostly a varnish guy today. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So when did you get your first boat? That was your own boat. I'm going to say about 19, oh, I, I, I say about 1980, I bought a, a thistle that was dying at Leishai. Okay. And uh, tell us what a thistle is. A thistle is a, um, well, it's a 17-foot Sandy Douglas design um, planing boat, uh, like a bigger version of an I-14. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it was hauled 1070. Plain sailboat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Sloop kind rig. of a cold molded sloop rig boat. Yeah, yeah. and uh, a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And so I took was that it a wooden boat or glass. Yeah, it was wood. Wood boat. Yeah, um, I think there's probably like six thousand of those boats around. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that was your first boat. Yeah, that was my first. So boat. you sailed out of Leshy on Lake Washington. 
Um, I sailed on the south end of the lake because yeah. I live south. So sailed on the south end of the lake a little bit, and then I started sailing it out on the Puget Sound a little bit. Got myself in a little bit of trouble. But Did you really? Yeah, I learned. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> when the Coast Guard picks you up, I figure you got yourself in a little bit of trouble. You capsize it out there? Yeah. Really? So, but... We had done we it successfully it. the week before, so we thought we could do it again the second week. So Really? Yeah. yeah. But that was just no experience. Were you able to get it back up and it was full of water or not? Yeah, it was just upside down, and they just flipped me right side up and pumped it out. So it, okay. was, a, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. 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 So interesting. I used to have a sea lark down at Leshy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was probably 79, 80 around that time, yeah. a little bit later than that, but that's a cool spot. Yeah, so you had the thistle for a while. had the thistle um, <coughs> right up until I needed a motor for Lumiere. We had already started building Lumiere. I started building Lumiere in 88. Okay. And uh, so I started looking for a Volvo or something to put in that boat. And so uh, one showed up and another guy wanted the thistle, so... That was uh, when it it went away. It went away, okay. So Lumiere is a boat that you still have that you built. It's a double-ended sailboat, wooden Mm -hmm. sailboat. Tell me about that uh, designer and uh, some Um, of the details on that boat. Yeah, um, I fell in love with the boat. Well, I fell in love with a boat called Vito Dumas in Port Townsend. And so the owner was not interested in selling the boat and... uh, so we, I did a little homework on who Emmanuel Campos was from Buenos Aires, Argentina. And he was a gentleman who built these boats for people like Vito Dumas, the famous sailor of the Roaring Forties, the book the, Sailing Around the World in the Roaring Forties. And uh, kind of proved that those boats were fairly capable of doing the job. And uh, I also like the fact that it was he was in love with the Reconite boats uh, in Europe. Uh, Scandinavian double-enders, the rescue boats. But he had to redesign the bottom of the boat to be a shallower boat because Buenos Aires had not been dredged yet. Uh, The U.S. had not been in there to put a military or a naval base in there. Uh So he was designing them a little bit shallower. I liked double-enders at the time, and uh, uh, I wanted to sail around the world, and I also wanted to end up in Europe and travel the canals, and it was... a shallower boat and it was a little bit more um, effective to so that's travel. a fixed keel boat mm-hmm. yeah, what was the draft keel. on it five and a half five and a half okay. yeah so that's pretty shallow for what length the boat was it 34 on deck and 48 overall with bowsprit and boomkin and all that oh big wow. rig nice wow. big rig so yeah they kind of like a big spoon yeah so yeah. you'd never built a boat before no so how did you think you could do that um, <laughs> or maybe you didn't think that way. I'm, I'm really no, I didn't. You know, I, I uh, you know, uh, just decided I was going to do it. And uh, like I was telling you earlier, I uh, read a book on how to build a wooden boat by Bud McIntosh, and I'm a fairly visual guy, and and uh, uh, it seemed to come pretty natural. And it was four and a half years of just awesome awesome time were you yeah. working another job while you were doing that yeah i owned a small restoration company in kirkland that i had started just a couple of years before that by the time i started building lumiere i had about you know, 15 20 employees and uh uh you know i could 
sneak around and get parts when I was out on the road and, and keep that part of it going during the day. And then I'd go to work every day. I went to the boat. And my commitment was at least go look at the boat every day. So your business was in Kirkland? Mm-hmm. But the boat was being built in, in South Park. Port Townsend? In South Park. Oh, in South Park? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. okay. I was thinking you launched in Port Townsend, but you built it in South Park. Yeah. and uh, Which is near Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Duwamish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and we launched the boat in 91. Wow. So, so tell me about the construction of that boat. Um, Caravel planked. I mean, it's um, plank on frame. Yeah, tr- very traditional. It's uh, inch and a quarter Porterford cedar uh, from one log, which is kind of cool. And wow! Uh, and then uh, over oak frames, two by two oak frames, and and then uh, inch and a half solid teak deck, straight laid um, uh, Honduras mahogany cabin and interior. And and uh, pretty much that's it. Uh, keel timber was a uh, large dry piece of fur, thirteen by thirteen. And then uh, the boat weigh the boat is twenty four thousand pounds. Uh, ballast is eighty six hundred pounds of lead that we melted out of two bathtubs, with a little antimony in there to stiffen it up. Really? Yeah. I don't even know what antimony is. It's just a. It's Add something it. has more memory. Oh. You know, lead does. Lead will, if you dent it, it stays <clears throat> dented. Mm-hmm. So, in order to kind of keep it from bruising too bad when you go aground or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that was your first uh, boat that you ever built. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome to build a big boat like that. Yeah, it was fun. Big seaworthy boat. So, uh, so you built that over four and a half year period. Launched it in ninety one. Mm-hmm. Then did you make it around the world or I didn't. to Europe or anything? No. Okay. Uh, parts of life fell apart. So, mm-hmm. you know, I moved different directions and then I um, got involved in an a, a environmental project with a friend here in Paulsbo. And so we explored that and uh, that didn't really pan out very well. So I had uh, married, had a new wife, and, and we decided... You know, why don't you build boats? And so we, uh, that's what we did. So we met with a friend who we're standing in his shed now, who was a very dear friend of Roy Jackson's mm-hmm. and uh, um, Tom Pryor. And uh, uh, Tom and I just, we, we, had, we had the respect of that we had both built boats. And so he said, sure, if you want to build boats in here, I'll rent you the barn. So uh, we kind of... We kind of made an agreement, and I rented the barn and helped him live his last years out in the old farmhouse here. And wow. and uh, when he passed on, we took the property over. Wow! So what we, year did you move here then, or start working on the boats here? I guess. Oh, that would be just about two thousand. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and then uh, we had I had a friend who had already said, "Look, you need to find a place to build a boat. I'll either build you a place." And you can restore my boat in return for building you a place to set up your shack. And so that's how we, I got motivated, found Tom's place. So we started renting Tom's place. And we brought Puff, Friendship Sloop, in that uh, uh, Earl Wakefield had built. And uh, needed, it never had an interior in it and, and had kind of fell apart for you know over the last few years and so 
So uh, the owner spent some money on it, and we put it back together. And he's sailing it all the time now. And she's you see her at the wooden boat show quite often. Okay. Yeah. What's her name? Puff. Puff. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at this and, and during so that, that was your first project here. First project here. Yeah. Is that a big big project? Long project? Or? No. Um, it was uh, probably. It was probably about a two-year project. Um, the owner was doing a lot of his own work. He was doing a lot of the systems work and that sort of thing. I see. And at the same time, we had, uh, or during that time, we brought uh, Focus into the shop, which is an international six-meter. Okay. And started that restoration at the same time. And that is that your boat? It is Focus. our boat, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, the boat was gifted to us from a family on Bainbridge Island. And uh, I had been racing six meters for about four years uh, on a boat called Hanko and a couple other boats. And um, we gifted this boat, and so we started restoring it, and it's uh, uh, it's been a great project. Yeah. You know? What year did you get that boat then? Um, probably 91, <laughs> 92, right in there. So six meter is a racing class? Mm-hmm. It's and like so a what? 12 meter. Okay. It's about half the size of a 12 meter. Not quite. They're about, they're, they're, they range between uh, 30, 33 to about 40 feet. The and six meters? Do? Yeah. 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 So if I understand it correctly, there's some kind of a mathematical formula you have to go through, ex- exactly. and the end result has to be six meters or less right. for the boat to qualify. Yeah, and what that does is it, 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 it brings the boats all into the same uh, measurement by either i mean some boats actually take a penalty but when once they're on once they have had reduction in sail area something to make them measure they they use their water line differently than they do sail area so the boats can be quite different i mean you can have a 30 33 foot six so what meter. are some of the factors that go into that well i think a lot of it's just you know um you know and i'm not really an expert on this you know i uh i'm a classic six meter sailor and i understand the why classic six meters do what they do to a certain degree and why the modern generation of six meters do what they do, you know. That the big difference is that from the classic to the modern, the rudder is separated from the keel, and you get a skeg rudder. Oh, that's a big, big separation. And uh, they don't use overhangs to increase their water line like uh, classics do, you know. So that's that's probably the key thing. The main thing. Yeah. 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 So the boat here, uh, I'm sorry, what was the name again? Focus Your, 3. Focus 3. Yeah. Uh, the boat was built what year originally? Built in 47, I believe launched in 48. Where at? Where uh, was it built? In Frederikstad, launch? Norway, by Bjorn oh. Ose. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and she was built with a sister ship that's in New York, uh, Elizabeth 10. And... Uh, they competed, and I don't know all the circumstances of why Focus didn't get to the Worlds, but uh, she did. Or, I mean, and to the Olympics. To the Olympics. Yeah. So she was supposed to be in the 52 Olympics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And she never made it to the Olympics. So, mm. you know, as, as far as I know, in the history that I know, yeah. I have some contact with the grandson of the gentleman that had her built. Yeah. But not much. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. So she was a gift to you, basically just the hull, and yeah. there wasn't really much else to No, her. and there's not much to these boats. There's the hull, deck, and, <clears throat> and uh, you know, your rig and sails, and that's that's about what's there. And uh, a lot of the original hardware couldn't be used, and uh, uh, we put new rod rigging on it and updated the boat quite a bit. So what is rod rigging? Rod is just not wire. It's solid steel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, as okay. opposed, and uh, most modern boats use rod rigging today. Okay. Yeah, it's just stiffer and uh, I think it more accurately tuned. Yeah. That's for the stays and mm-hmm. all that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you completely restored her over several years then? Yeah, I think about three years. It three years. About okay. three years. And that then was you raced her out work. here in this area? Uh, we raced her in um, 08. With a lot of difficulties, um, had lots of issues with where our mast was positioned, and I hadn't figured that out yet. And my new crew was way ahead of me on what we needed to do, but it was hard to do on 08. Did you have to reposition the mast in the boat? Mm, yeah, uh, well, change the angle, uh, change the rake on the mast, and and a little bit, yeah, move the move it a bit forward, and uh, and then we relaunched with the new mast configuration that we did and uh um and then we raced 09 um here locally and with a lot of help from the corinthian yacht club in seattle uh they they did a lot of special you know extra starts instead of longer races so that we could get more uh starting time in before we left to go back to newport rhode island for the world, for the worlds, yeah, yeah, yeah in okay. September, so, yeah, yeah. So you told me earlier, but just for those listening, uh, tell us about your experience at the worlds. Um, well, we first sailed when we got back there. Well, once we got back there, uh, we um, raced uh, the North Americans on a Saturday and a Sunday, and it's actually on on uh, Sunday no- Sunday morning we have a collision and we're hit by a, a boat that's coming on a port tack we're in you know fairly uh for for a six meter 20 knots to 25 knots of winds is a is a lot of wind and uh so uh and conditions were um not they were they were difficult conditions and uh, these boats are blanketed on one side by their sail area. Mm. And so you've got to have somebody ducking and looking. And we had just made a tack, and so we were getting set up and getting our boat speed back up. And it was probably getting close to looking. And when we heard a boat come through our shrouds, and their bow is long and pointy like all six meters, or all classic six meters, and uh, penetrated about the center of our deck and uh, traveled so up through about a 90 degree angle to your boat pretty much yeah. yeah yeah and tore about a three foot hole through the deck till it stopped on the clamp and uh so that was our that was our second day at north americans and oh, so man. we were after about three years of preparation we we needed to get back to uh the dock and do some repairs yeah yeah so you went back and did a repair temporary repair mm-hmm. and got out and raced yep yeah, yeah, we yeah. had a great time, and the uh, crew, we did well. We were up in the top third of the fleet, and uh, um, under the circumstances, uh, it was uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you have to qualify for the Worlds? No, I think you just got to... Just got to be there. Yeah, and yeah. Participate and yeah. follow the rules and all that. Yeah, so. yeah the, the Worlds are coming. The, the, <clears throat> the six-meter Worlds are coming to Vancouver in 017. In, British Columbia. Yeah, and we're building... The fleet is building right now almost every two months a new boat is being established so it's really? going to be a, a pretty around this area yes who's yeah. building these boats Jim? well not building them but we're we're getting building the fleet i should say oh because, you know most of these boats if you're going to build a six meter you're going to have to build a modern six meter or new design very pretty strict about whether you can build an, a, a classic you either have to have a ballast from an old classic and the lines to to oh, put really? her back you in. Oh, Can't build a new classic. No, there have been a few done, and it's, there's a lot of controversy around it. And it, it may be that in order to keep the classic fleet alive um, uh, in a bigger way, they may start to um, be a little bit more lenient. I don't know. There's a lot of discussion. It's a very. You go to uh, Puget Sound Six Meter Association's uh, website and. And you'll find out all kinds of information about six meters. Yeah, yeah. So, what's the status of your boat now, Puff? Um, a focus. Focus. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> I the name messed up here. I do too. <laughs> well, um, focus is uh, you know first time in the water after two year repair after the '09 last year. So we've got some issues, residual issues that are hanging around the boat, which uh, mm-hmm. are frustrating but um boat sailed fairly well we won some races and and uh so we'll be back out and doing it this year yeah yeah, yeah. what length are the races typically are they all kinds of different? well they they shorten and lengthen it but it's buoy racing you know oh it is yeah, okay. yeah when we're lured and uh um, oh, puget sound here yeah 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 mm-hmm. and we were sailing in Port Ludlow and Port Townsend. Uh, we'll be sailing in the in British Columbia this year, and and uh, hopefully out here we'll we'll be there'll be a um, a good showing at Nude. Mm-hmm. So that'll be and fun. what is that? Uh, nude National Offshore One Design. Okay, Sperry puts it on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think that's our. It's not opening. related to the nudist colonies. No, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always feel funny when I wear my t-shirt. Yes. Yeah. Nobody wants to see us that way, anyways. So, you know, we're sailors, so but, not bodybuilders. No, right? no, we're not. No. So you've got her in the shop here, and then uh, do you have, do you own any other boats? Or, so you've got that boat, and, and you've got Lumiere, the Lumiere, yeah. which is in Paul's Bull, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, no, I don't. Not not any, of any. I have a, a, I think, hull number fifteen, an international fourteen, that uh, is probably a pretty really a classic boat now i would love to find a home for that boat if somebody's out there looking for a, a beautiful international 14 one of the originals but original mass the whole works really yeah it's a it's a classic and is, uh, there any, is it a complete restoration project or? yeah it's it's i'd call it a you know 40 mm. percent yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's a slightly a, it's a, like a cold mold design okay yeah. And you've got a John Alden designed boat here too in your shop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about that boat. Uh, Anna Kappa, and she's built in 1937. Um, and uh, we put a new deck on the boat. Um, house has been rebuilt, 
and uh, the boat was owned by Adam Henley um, for quite a few years, and he put in a new, um, I think, uh, breast hook, stem, and a lot of bottom end planks and that sort of thing. We have the boat gutted now and getting ready to put the cabin sole back in. It's going to get a, a solid teak interior and uh, that's going to be quite a quite a boat when it's done. Yeah, so it's, that's not your boat. You're doing that that's, for a customer. That's owned by Dave and Janet Martin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave is an avid racer and and sailor and and uh they are this is their first big wood boat so okay they're pretty excited about so it. is this more of a cruising boat than a, a racer or? yeah it i'd say it's a cruising boat but if you know dave it'll probably be trying to beat somebody <laughs> really yeah yeah without a doubt so yeah cool yeah so um so you were telling me earlier about your uh your other business where you make rescue boards uh, yeah, rescue boards. So tell mm-hmm. me about that. Well, that's you know that's just a what I call a widget. You know, it's uh, something that we um, uh, fell into. Um, a friend of mine knew the owner of the product, and and uh, he was needing help, so we kind of stepped in to help him out, and he liked it. So we uh, built a small manufacturing company that produces this board to. Uh, um, which we sell now out to our distributors and they're kind of all around the country and uh um yeah we build the original and only wooden uh spinal recovery board basically so and, this is for uh, a water rescue where there's a yeah, spinal injury so any pool certified in the united states has to have a lifeguard on on board on, or on the deck i should say and they're trained to use this board to extract anybody that's hurt, you know, neck injury, back injury, whatever. And uh, that's basically designed to take the victim from the pool onto the deck. Um, oftentimes, the board makes it to the hospital too. I don't, you know, I'm mm. I'm not that versed with it. You know, I'm I'm more versed with uh, its construction and and. Uh, what people are asking to do with the board next, you know, how to how to improve it and make it a better product. And so, uh, yeah, and we've been doing that for about eight years. And uh, um, it's it's great to build something that's um, you know might sound kind of corny, but uh, the idea that it's made here in the U.S. and and um, all, is, all you know, wood. Yeah, I, I love, love it. it. Yeah, Akume plywood. Yeah, and, Maranti uh, stiffeners. We call them. They're runners. They're basically help the board stay flat, and they also lift the board off the ground so a hand can get into the hand grips and pick a board up. So, yeah. What is Maranti wood? Maranti. Yeah. Um, it's a mahogany. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, where does it come from? It's smelly. It's got it? a real potent smell to it, and it's, it can be kind of well. At least to me, I should say it may so not it's be probably rot resistant. If it's smell. Um, I would imagine to a degree. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know that mahoganies are that great against rot, but yeah. uh, board <clears throat> basically lives its life outside of the water. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's, uh, so where who are some yeah. of the companies buying these boards? Um, well, we have seven distributors, okay. and uh, you know. Uh, Gosh, that goes from the lifeguard store to Recreonics. Um, uh, but I mean, the end customer, who are some oh, companies you were telling me earlier that are actually well, using these in their pools? Yeah, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Disneyland, 
Great Wolf Lodge, YMCA, they they use our board a lot. Um, and then, of course, there's just anybody that wants the look of a wooden board and the performance. The performance of a wooden board is just it, – it just set the bar for all plastic boards. And plastic is just a different um, – you know, uh, has a different value in the water. And, uh, um, like I said earlier, I'm not a guy who really cares for the water and yet I'm, or I'm, I've got all these things going on around water. But, but that being said, um, I have watched this board being used by professionals and I've had a lot of professionals at aquatic, uh, um, seminars and things that we go to, to show the board, um, just how they've embraced the wood board because it's so efficient it works so well so you're saying it has a zero buoyancy well no it it actually is negative it it is not designed to float It, it it just has the right amount of volume the way it penetrates the water and moves through the water is very smooth it's not bulky it's not waiting to be filled with water like a plastic board might be waiting to be filled in order to get it down and stay down and so you you need, you know, uh, the board needs to get it, it's it needs to go under the victim. Yeah, and and it's and it's really not designed to go into the pool other than to go to hang slanted at the edge of the pool. So it's hanging from the gutter on the pool, the very uh, like the shear of the pool, the top edge, down to the bottom of the shallow end. The victim oh. is brought to the board. Oh, I see. So they're loaded in. that way yeah, so from the gutter of the pool. Right. So they're strapped in. And uh, at that point, um, you know, the lifeguard, usually EMT, will extract the board at that point. So I that's see. that's how they do it. Cool. Yeah, Very I've cool. never seen it used, uh, yeah. you know, in a, in a real situation. Yeah. So. Very cool. That's awesome. So uh, back to wooden boats for a minute. Uh, what is it about woodworking and wooden boats that you like? Hmm. Well, you know, I love creating. Uh, well, first of all, I just I think uh, when I look at like an international, a classic international six meter, and even this big boat Anna Kappa, if you start looking at the shape of the boat, you start, you just, you know, it, it's it's sculpture, and I think somewhere in back in my mind, I always wanted to be a sculpture. Um, this is better because somebody's already created it. It's really beautiful. So when I'm, you know, when I'm uh, involved in it, you know, I I try to just bring out little nuances that I my eye says should be done. And uh, I love I like wood. I, I'm I'm a little bit more into aluminum than I have been because it's woodworking friendly. Mm. It's very similar, mm-hmm. um, but it's not warm to your hand. It's just different and uh that that's what i love and i love that glow of varnish and i like uh the smell of the wood when you're cutting it and uh it's and it's kind of quiet no it's not noisy generally yeah you know so varnish can be a difficult thing to do it's it takes practice and patience and stuff any any varnishing tips you'd give us today (laughs) yeah don't shake the can (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's, I, you know, there are yeah, so many I, tips and, you know, there's been yeah. so many people. And I actually think my varnishing skills are not as good as they were 10 years ago. Unless I 
only have to varnish, you know, mm-hmm. but unfortunately I'm woodworking, I'm cutting wood and I'm varnishing in the same room. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's not so bright, but right. but it, we get good results. Yeah. So, Very cool. Yeah. So for somebody that's listening and they're maybe they're building their first wooden boat, mm. what advice or tips would you give them? Um, well, like I was saying earlier, I'm pretty impatient, you know, and that's not a good, I don't think that's a good match for wooden boat building. So the th- the thing that I did, the two things I did in building Lumiere that I th- think were really key to the whole project for me was that I went to the project every day. The result of that was I know for sure half the time I went to see the boat, I wasn't going to work on it. But I actually did. That actually make a part. Because you just kind of, you get to thinking about that next part. and so that would happen and that the, the, for me that was you just show up there and yeah, then something happens just walk around it look at it contemplate what's next but it for me it drew me right into it even though i was tired i already put 10 hours in you know and i had other things i needed to do and paperwork and all that kind of stuff the other kind of the key thing was i had a i created a scroll where i took a roll of paper and I wrote down what needed to be done next. I would write down everything that needed to be done next. So I have to build the stem. I have to build the breast hook. I have to build this part. I have to build that part. That could grow 20, that could grow by 20 parts at a time. I'd look at this list and I might add 20 parts to that list. But I could only touch three of those the top three parts on that list. I couldn't scratch one off till I'd done it. Now, if I had a part out, I had built a, a mold and I had a part out being cast, then I could skip number three and go to four. Okay, so you, you, you did them in order. Right, towards. so I, I basically, see. I have a scroll that <clears throat> kind of looks like a... Literally a roll of paper. Yeah, that just continued on to another dowel so it's kind of, you know, it looks kind of Greek-like or something, you know. But what's funny about <laughs> I love it, it, it's about um, 20 feet long. That's really, really quite a history of the boat. Do you still have here. that? I do. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, but it's it's very interesting because it really controls keeping you from maybe being ADD or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but that that was a great thing for me. It worked wow. really well. How did you get that idea? Um I don't really know. You come up with it yourself? I just, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I hadn't, I just started making a list and then I thought, wow, this, I could really get out of control. That's what I think what it was. I, I started making this list and I was basing it on this book that I was reading and or referring to and and I realized, wow, I could really get out of control here. I could, I could get ahead of myself and wish I hadn't. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was that really worked well for me. Wow. I, I could see it working for any boat. Great idea. Especially any size boat, really. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's much difference between a, a 10-foot boat and a 30-foot boat, really. Yeah, So. right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time today, Jim. Sure. Uh, anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Man, I, I just, you know, I, I don't particularly care if it's a wooden boat, a fiberglass boat, or an aluminum boat. I mean, if you got it, if you love a boat, I mean, this is, these are the people I work for. 
I work for people who love their boat. I mean, if, if a guy walks in and he says, I love this boat, can you fix this? I mean, I'd do it. So I would say if you any boat you love, it, it, just pursue it. Have fun with it and enjoy it. Very cool. Yeah. And so uh, the other thing I just thought of, for anybody listening to this, that's uh, tell me about your business in with boats and what you do. And maybe somebody listening might contact you for a repair or a build or what. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm. Uh, we do everything from. You know, we're doing a, a teak uh, um, sink for a boat in South Florida right now. We're doing a cockpit or cabin sole, custom moving tables around inside a boat in Kingston. You know, we're building deck beams for a fishing boat right now, and and. Uh, you know, we take six meters that have been eight feet have been lopped off the back of the boat because at one point in time they thought it should be shorter, and we we put a new, a complete new counter back on the boat, and nobody knows it was gone. You know, wow. so I- anything uh, people come in and say, can you can you build this stainless part and polish it up and make it fit? You know, we can do that. We can. Okay, it's just about build anything you need. You know, um, I'm not a great electrical guy, not a great systems guy, but, you know, when it comes to wood and, and getting a fair line, uh, making a pretty boat, that's that's okay. what we like to do. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's your uh, the best way to do that? Uh, phone number. Okay. Yeah. What's your phone number? 360-440-2022. Okay. Yep. Very yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks for your time today. You bet. I appreciate Thank it. You. All right. Yeah. Take care. Thanks, Jim, for taking the time to do the interview. It was really fun to meet you. I also enjoyed meeting Lee, who, when I first arrived there, I went into her art studio right next to your boat shop. She offered me a cup of coffee, which I never refuse, and it was really, really, really good cup of coffee. And I drink probably three to six cups of coffee all every day, (laughs) half since I was 18, so that's about 40 years I just don't run into coffee that's that good very often. So thanks for that, Lee. That was really cool. It was actually Pegasus French Roast Organic Coffee, and I'm going to order some of that. But anyway, thanks again, Jim, for everything. And uh, if you have a moment, folks, go to the website, hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash 073. That'll take you to this episode, and you can see pictures of some of Jim's boats and the things that he's working on in his shop. So check it out when you get a chance. I would love it if you would connect with me, give me feedback about the show, ask questions, send pictures of your boats, and tell me about the projects you're working on. Uh, Give me feedback about uh, recommendations that you have for me to improve the podcast, maybe even folks to interview. You can email me, dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. You can leave comments on my website each week when I publish a podcast on Thursday. I write show notes about the podcast and I include pictures. At the bottom of the notes, there's a place for you to put comments on the website. You can also share the podcast with others. There's Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn buttons on each episode that you can click on and post to your Facebook page and so on. So I'd appreciate if you would do that if you get a chance. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest if you look for Wooden Boat Dan there. I also have one YouTube video, 
And if you look for Wooden Boat Dan on YouTube, you'll see a video there that I did with a gentleman in Seattle that's uh, restoring an Ed Monk Senior bridge deck boat that's absolutely gorgeous. So check that out if you get a chance. If you'd like to support the show, go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash Amazon. That'll take you to Amazon's website, and if you order anything on the site, I get paid a little bit. Also, you can go to hookedonwoodenboats.com forward slash JD. That stands for Jamestown Distributors. That will take you to their website where you can buy marine and boat building supplies. They have great prices, fast shipping. Uh, I've ordered stuff there myself and been very happy with the service and the result. So check that out if you get a chance also. So there's probably some of you listening that have never built a wooden boat or owned a wooden boat or been on a wooden boat. It's high time you get in the game and start doing something with wooden boats. It's really a blast. I would recommend you build a small wooden boat to start with. Maybe build a small canoe or kayak. Simplest way is to buy a kit. Build it from a kit. You can learn quickly. It's really fun to build your own boat and actually go out on the water and have it float and make it usable. And people give you compliments. It's a real sense of accomplishment. And wooden boats are just a blast. They're so cool. They're they're like objects that are alive. They have beautiful lines. They're easy to repair. They can be expensive to maintain if you have a bigger boat, but smaller boats aren't too bad. So anyway, get in the game. Go build a wooden boat. If you have questions about that, what you should build or how you should proceed or anything like that, shoot me an email, dan at hookedonwoodenboats.com. But I'd love to hear your story. If you're just getting started, let me know how it goes. Do a project with your kids. That's another great way to do it. If you have kids at home still, they'd love to build something with you. You know, go out in the garage and build a little eight-foot pram or something. You can do it in a few weekends. Make it simple, and uh, you won't regret it. Well, thanks for tuning in today, folks. It's been great to have you. Keep the bright side up and the barnacled side down. Wooden boat, Dan. Over and out. Have a great week. God bless. Bye.